From the Islamic Institute of Toronto, this is Mamun Hassan and you are listening to Friday Decoded. I've never been to a mosque before. I'm not Muslim. Why would I go to a mosque? Just like I'm not Hindu. Why would I go to a Hindu temple? Or a synagogue. I'm not Jewish. I had no idea what to expect. Another religion's sacred space is it's this opaque thing. I had no clue what the traditions were, etc. Today is January 29, 2019. It has been two years since the Quebec mosque mass shooting. And today, we would like to share a special story with you. Our guest is Ryan Slobogin. Ryan, tell me about January 29th of 2017. I've been watching what was going on in the United States, and I was watching what was going on in the UK. Like on January 29th, 2017, Trump had been president for just over a week. Like he'd been nominated on the 20th. And I think the Muslim ban was like day one. And there were all sorts of protests happening at airports because of all the stuff that was going on. And I was watching what was going on in the U.S. and I was very concerned about it. And seeing all the things that had been stirred up by Brexit and all the Little England stuff. And I was thinking, wow, there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the world. It's a good thing here in Canada things are a lot better. I figured as long as, you know, didn't travel down to the States, didn't go to these areas, things are pretty good. Because, I mean, this is Canada. We're, we're you know, we're, we're better than this. You know, I was, I was feeling pretty complacent. And so I, I, I caught wind of it on Twitter and then I started following along online and trying to figure out like what had happened. And I just, I, I was absolutely devastated. I, I could not believe something like this could happen in Canada. I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing that happens somewhere else. This is not the kind of thing that happens in Canada. Words are not enough. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. It is the time for action. But what do you do? Given the magnitude of something like this, how do you push back against that? I thought for a long time, but what to do? I wasn't sure. The idea which I eventually came up with was to go to the local mosque, Pickering Islamic Center, and to give out hugs with my daughter. Now, I'd never been to a mosque before. I'm not Muslim. Why would I go to a mosque? Just like, I'm not Hindu. Why would I go to a Hindu temple? Or a synagogue? I'm not Jewish. I had no idea what to expect. Another religion's sacred space is, it's this opaque thing. I had no clue what the traditions were, etc. And, I mean, to kind of complicate things even further, this mosque, Pickering Islamic Center, had had a window shot out two years earlier. The action that I came up with was to go to the local mosque. I live in Pickering. I went to Pickering Islamic Center with my daughter Elizabeth, who was five at the time. We wrote free hugs on a piece of cardboard. And we were going to go there and stand outside the doors and start offering hugs. And we were out there for about 30 seconds to a minute. And we were very quickly invited inside. And being January 30th, it was really cold. So did not mind being invited inside at all. And that day we met and hugged well over 100 people. And it was... It was one of the most fantastic experiences of my life. So the idea for the candles had actually come from Omer, or the idea for the light. And what he had said was, 
on the one year anniversary, I was thinking of some way to mark this, some kind of vigil, some kind of commemoration. And he said, well, why don't we focus on the positive aspects, all the good things that have happened, like you giving out hugs, like all the reaction of the community. Why don't we focus on that on the one year rather than making it this funerary thing? Yeah. And I thought, that's a fantastic idea. And I was reminded of Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that became the symbol for the candle and pushing back the darkness. And so at this open house in March, after giving out these candles, I spoke with my member of parliament who was also there speaking. So I, I talked about what I was doing for a few minutes. And then she spoke afterwards and she said, I'd, I'd like to find some way to do something like this in the House of Commons. How can we bring this candle idea to the House of Commons? Mm -hmm. That's when the idea for this really kicked into gear. So when I started thinking about how could we do something about this. And in about mid-August, I received final confirmation from Jennifer O'Connell, who's my member of parliament in Pickering Uxbridge. She said, yes, we're going to be doing something in the House of Commons. She had coordinated with Joelle Lightbound, who is the MP of the Quebec City riding where the attack occurred. And we're going to do something on January 29th. And so at that point, I started contacting everybody that I knew and using this idea of this initiative, Pushing Back the Darkness, which later became Push Back the Darkness. And I started contacting everybody I knew about this, thinking, okay, let's see if we can get some stories. Let's see if we can have people put a candle in the window, like a reverse Earth Day idea, on January 29th at 8 p.m. Let's see if we can have more things happening in Ottawa as part of this. Like, now that we have this opportunity, now that there's this thing that's going to happen, how can we make the most of it? The collecting of stories and drawings is a very important part of this. Collecting experiences so that we can get rid of ignorance. Because ignorance underpins so many of these bad things. So, why stories and drawings? Why are these such an important fundamental part of this initiative? The answer to this comes again from Thunder Bay. Tell me about your experiences growing up in Thunder Bay and tell me about um, you know the statement that you've made which is basically really without ignorance um, one cannot dehumanize his fellow human. Thunder Bay is a very uniform very monochrome city it's uh, isolated it's eight hours to any major city it's eight hours to Winnipeg it's eight hours to Sault Marie it's eight hours to Minneapolis there's it's it's quite isolated and Growing up there, I had very little experience of other cultures. So for me, cultural diversity was getting Chinese food for dinner. That was cultural diversity in Thunder Bay. Like egg rolls, really exotic food. Wontons, a bridge too far. It's too weird. Can't eat it. Mm -hmm. that, was, um, that, was the, that was the environment I grew up in. And one major hallmark of Thunder Bay, which has become much more publicized over the last couple of years, is the massive systemic institutionalized racism towards indigenous people. That is pervasive. It is everywhere. It is in your pores. And I grew up in that environment, and I became racist towards indigenous people. What changed for me was when I was 11, one of my friends on the street moved away, and an indigenous family moved in. One of the boys that lived there was the same age as me, and we became very good friends. 
it was because of that friendship that I could say, wait, no, 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 hold on a minute. These things I'm hearing, I know they're not true. My friend is not an alcoholic. His family are not alcoholics. They aren't drug addicts. They have jobs. Their houses are well-maintained. All of these dumb ideas that are trotted out, all these dehumanizing tropes, they were all false. And I realized that through my own direct experiences. Once the ignorance was gone, the hate and the systemic racism went away with it. Because when you know that this is not how things are because of your experiences, it's far harder to dehumanize somebody. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of these ideas, this labeling, like the kind of thing that I remember seeing after September 11th where you just apply a big broad label, like the idea that, oh, the Muslim community has to do this, the Muslim community has to make a statement. Well, there's an implicit assumption there that the Muslim community is a single uniform thing and you've dehumanized them and made them one-dimensional. but. Each community is made up of people, and people are more than one-dimensional. And so it's like the idea that if um, you have something like Alexander Bissonnette going in and doing the attack in Quebec City and killing six people and injuring a bunch more, why doesn't the Francophone community stand up and make a statement? Where are the Christian leaders? Like, I'm not sure what, what Alexander's religion is or if he had one, mm-hmm. but why aren't the Laval University community standing up and making a statement? You, you don't hear that because there's that implicit labeling and one-dimensionalization. So I feel like that's that's kind of thing is based on ignorance. And if we don't have that ignorance, I feel like a lot of this goes away. And that's why I believe it's important to have these experiences, to have these relationships, to realize, fully, truly, honestly realize that your fellow humans, your neighbors, are in fact humans and not these one-dimensional caricatures. There's one final thing that I want to discuss. There have been many times over the last couple of years when we've been going and giving out hugs, I've mentioned to people, hey, you should come and join us. It turns out that giving hugs to hundreds of strangers isn't for everybody. (laughs) Who knew? So we've gone there with my daughter many times, and sometimes I've felt very alone. Like, I'm the only one that cares. What I've learned, and I've heard this from a few other people over the last few months, that they felt quite alone as well. I will tell you, what I've discovered is that we are absolutely not alone, not by any stretch of the imagination. When this initiative got started in mid-August, when Jennifer O'Connell said, yes, I'm going to make a statement in the House of Commons, and I started contacting everybody I knew. Everybody I knew was 20 people at Pickering Islamic Center. That was everybody I knew. I'm a software developer. I code for a living. I hide behind a monitor. I've never done anything even remotely close to this before. So I started talking to people at Pickering Islamic Center, and they got me in contact with people. And those people got me in contact with people. And the word spread, and things grew. And the appetite and the desire out there from so very many people to make sure that all of our neighbors are welcome to push back the darkness of ignorance and hate with the light of knowledge and friendship. There are so many people out there. You are not alone. This has been Friday Decoded from the Islamic City of Toronto. Our podcast is produced by the IIT media team. That is Tahmeed Shadman, Muhammad Yaseen, Hussam Al-Akbari, and yours truly. Our audio track includes no music instruments and produced by the talented Elias Mao. Check him out at eliasmao.com. 
If you liked our podcast, please email, like, share, and rate us. We love to hear from you. Our email address is media at islam.ca. My name is Mamun Hassan, and assalamu alaikum.